Welcome to Radio Menea. I am Veronica Valletti Flores. Welcome. I'm Miriam Soila Perez. And we are so, so excited for our very first pilot episode. Yay. We're going to get started kind of defining Menea, which is a little bit difficult for me, but I think of it as sort of the equivalent to the Caribbean wine, just winding your waist, Menea, dancing. Moving Caribbean wine. That's an interesting way of thinking about it. I was thinking about it as like wiggling, which sounds kind of dorky. <laughs> which but, sounds so much dorkier yeah, than what but, it actually you know, is. Wiggle it, wiggle it, right? Yeah. <laughs> One example of many where things sound better in Spanish than in English. Yes, and we're going to have a lot of Spanglish here, so you're welcome. Like Vero said, this is our first ever episode. It's our pilot. And this podcast idea was born just a few months ago in November. Vero and I are good friends from uh, back in the day from some organizing work we did with the National Latina Institute for Reproductive Health. Shout out Latina Institute. So we probably met in like, what, 2009, Vero? Yeah? Yeah. Around that. Maybe eight, seven. 2008. Whoa. Way back in the day. But um, we are both big music lovers, and we have for a long time now been kind of going back and forth a lot about our music taste and the music we listen to, which is mostly music in Spanish. And in November, I was messing around on Snapchat like you do and watched the story from the Latin Grammys and was like so excited by all of the artists that were performing and just all the badassness that was happening at the Latin Grammys. And so I texted Vero and was like, Vero, how do we get an invitation to the Latin Grammys? <laughs> And that quickly devolved into, wait, maybe we should start a podcast about music. The idea quickly got out of hand, and we're, here we are today. <laughs> here we are today, releasing the first episode of Radio Menea, and, you know, Latin Grammy uh, producers, just hit us up next year. We're ready. We're ready. Yeah, we're ready to go. I'm going to wear a really great outfit. I, I don't know what it is yet, I, but guaranteed. You know, I know. I can picture us on the red carpet already. I think we heard from a friend who is like more in the business that it's actually a pretty boring event to attend, but I don't care because the artists who perform are amazing. Basically for this episode, we're going to talk a little about who we are and like what our relationship is to Latino music. And then we're going to tell a little story about our tastes through music by kind of introducing three songs from each of us that illustrate how our music taste has evolved over the years. But first, just to kind of introduce who we are, like I said, I'm Miriam Suela Perez. I am Cuban-American. I grew up around music. My father, my mother, definitely big um, music listeners. I mean, I used to spend, so I grew up in North Carolina because my parents had work there, but our family was all in Miami. So I spent summers in Miami where all the Cubans in the U.S. are. And I remember my dad spending hours like while my dad would browse record stores, buying music, um, and also listening to the Cuban radio station in Miami was always such a big treat. And this was before the days of the internet, which meant that my mom would uh, tape record the radio station, like the Cuban American radio station in Miami, and bring those tapes back to North Carolina and listen to them on her tape deck. <laughs> it seems so sad to me today. And now you can stream any radio station you want on the internet, and I have access to all the sorts of music. So I grew up around music, around Latino music, around Caribbean music, a lot of Cuban salsa, boleros, kind of just all the different things that my parents listened to. And I didn't really love it as a kid, but it really has kind of seeped in and I think affected the music that I'm drawn to now. I pretty much only listen to music in Spanish these days. 
the local radio station. I live in Washington, D.C. And um, a shout out to El Sol, 107.9 is a yes. great radio station that plays a lot of Caribbean music. Latino excellence. Yes, it's great. And so my music taste is pretty like Latino mainstream, I would say. Like I love the stuff that's on the radio. I love reggaeton. I love bachata. I love old school salsa. I love like Latino pop. So I'm kind of the, the dorky like mainstream music person. And that's the stuff that I like. And currently I'm really obsessed like obsessed with bachata and this obsession has lasted for like <laughs> i don't know two years que now. exactly <laughs> that was always making fun of me for being so <laughs> so you're gonna hear a lot of bachata for me which i hope you'll appreciate and i love dancing which is part of i think why i love bachata it just like makes you want to dance and then you know both veto and i are writers i write for color lines right now which is a race and politics magazine i write about race and gender and lots of different topics i don't generally write about music though so this is going to be a really fun opportunity for me to get to be um, geeking out about music and the stuff that I listen to all the time, but don't get an opportunity to do much writing about. So, um, oh, although there was one time that I think Veto probably remembers, I used to write for Feministing, where Veto writes now, and I wrote a post about my love for reggaeton as the inaugural post of this short-lived series called Anti-Feminist Guilty Pleasures. <laughs> and the word anti was in parentheses because the whole question was like, is it anti-feminist or not? And I wrote about my love for reggaeton, and I'm sure we'll talk a lot on this podcast about oh, we'll what does lot. it mean to love music that sometimes might challenge your values actually i'll talk about it when we get to the music that kind of illustrates my taste and i am vero veronica whatever you like and i'm venezolana you know marcaribeña in my tastes and who i am i came to the united states when i was 12 but um moved my parents i was so angry at them at the time we moved to minnesota to this really extremely white terrible suburb but I'm a longtime music lover, and I do do some music writing over at Feministing. I created Feministing Jams and do most of the writing there. Um, my music taste is really diverse, but I am mostly into sort of the underground and the alternative uh, Latino music scene in addition to some of the other stuff that I'm into and kind of coming from a long time of really being sort of anti-pop and anti-mainstream, which is really kind of the opposite of where I'm at now. I love pop music now. And I think that it was thankfully, just, yes, an angsty teenager. <laughs> Otherwise stance. we would not get along. <laughs> But, you know, I still love the weird, you know, I still love the weird stuff. And I love seeing all the Latinos and all these badass mujeres also doing it all for themselves and making alternative, amazing, weird music out there. I think a lot of what I'm going to bring is that, but you all know that I'm here for the pop too, 100%. Yes, super excited. So the song I want to start with is a song from the year 2000. It's a song by Son by Four, and it's called Apuro Dolor. Perdona si te estoy llamando en este momento, pero me hacía falta escuchar de nuevo, aunque sea un instante tu respiración. I hadn't heard this song probably since the year 2000 and then if you'd said oh song by four I wouldn't have been like oh yeah I had no real like memory of the of the artist or the song but I heard it and I was like immediately taken back to driving in the car in Miami in the summer in the back of my dad's black Camry <laughs> um, <laughs> listening to the radio and hearing the song hey, hey, hey. Vida, 
I think it's amazing because like I said before, like I was not into the kind of music my parents were listening to. Like I really didn't start listening to music in Spanish until I left home and went to college and got super homesick and started listening to the music of my childhood. But it clearly like seeped in and really infected me. And so I heard this song by four song maybe, I don't know, six months ago. And I was immediately kind of transported back to that time and just felt so elated and so excited to hear this really poppy salsa song from my childhood. shared experience being Vero, I think I texted you with like a picture of the the album cover of that song when I heard it this summer and you also remembered it from that. Yes, that same summer, that same summer I was in Venezuela and I had, you know, like my little noviecito who I was so in love with. I was, I think, 16 or 17 year old and I was like, this is the one, you know how it goes. Um, And this was on the radio all the time. There was both the ballad version and there was also the uh, salsa version. Fast forward maybe five years, no, four or five years later and I'm in college and I was in this Spanish class. And we had to go to the language lab and listen to these songs and then try to transcribe them, right? Write out what the lyrics were in Spanish as like an mm-hmm. exercise. And one of the songs was a Gloria Stefan song, which I'm not going to play right now, but I'm sure will come <laughs> up at some point because she's such a classic kind of Cuban, my parents' generation. Shout out Gloria. My first concert ever when I was like four. <laughs> yes. um, and and so I, I, I started hearing the song and I started crying. I was like super homesick. I was like, oh my God. And I remember calling my mom being like, mom, send me this record, send me this album. So that was really when I started listening to Cuban music and Spanish music mm-hmm. from off, off for my own, on mm-hmm. my own. But fast forward four years later, and the next song that we're going to listen to, which is Dale Don Dale <laughs> by Don Omar, that I heard when I was living in Ecuador. So I went and spent a semester abroad in Ecuador in like 2004. And that was, a, a you know, an important experience for me on a lot of fronts. It really helped me to like reconnect to my fluency. I spoke Spanish before I spoke English. But then when I was like four, I left my home and went into like a very American, you know, school system in North Carolina where there were no, at the time, like no Latinos. And my mom likes to say that she gave my teacher a Spanish English dictionary at the daycare (laughs) so she could talk to me. (laughs) Um, So anyway, being in Ecuador helped me reconnect my fluency, but it also like immersed me in, you know, Latino music and Latino culture in a way that was really important. And so I remember being out like in the clubs in Quito and hearing reggaeton for the first time and hearing a lot of the music that I now love and being really excited and connected to it. Dale Don Dale by Don Omar was like a big hit in 2004 and if you look back at like yeah, the music history, like people point to that time, particularly as when reggaeton really crossed over into the mainstream, started being listened to in North America. Like it really was a was a big moment. So I just happened to kind of be in the right place at the right time for that. And then, you know, the other thing about this song, you know, we have to acknowledge is he himself as an artist and as a person is not particularly laudable. Like he was arrested in 2013 for like 
I think holding up his, assaulting his wife at gunpoint. Ugh, not so cool, though, not not cool, not cool, not particularly feminist. So it's complicated, you know. I think particularly with reggaeton, but not only reggaeton. Sometimes the artist and the politics behind them are not necessarily aligned with ours, but the music itself still is powerful. It still has, um, you know, sometimes it's enjoyable. Sometimes yeah. it has just like an important role. So this is not the stuff that I listen to today, but it was a big part of me getting into dance music and reggaeton and, mm-hmm. and the stuff of this kind of world and uh, has been part of that that story so you know that's why we included it and I think you know for most of us like you hear this beat and you're still gonna want to dance to it every time every time my hips cannot stay still at <laughs> the play of a dembo beat I just can't do I it know. which is how Mr. Bieber got me with his latest but that's a conversation for another day yeah for another day <laughs> Yeah, so okay, so the third song that I want to play is uh, Solita by Prince Royce. And this definitely like more epitomizes the kind of music I listen to now. Such a romantica. Always and forever. Always. I listen to like probably 90% of what I listen to is bachata. Like I am obsessed with bachata, which is funny because I didn't grow up listening to bachata. I mean, it, it, you know, it started to come into being when I was a kid. I remember a little bit of old school bachata. My father and I had a conversation about some of the first Juan Luis Guerra bachata mm-hmm. kind of songs, but it definitely isn't the stuff of my childhood. But I feel like it's very, comes from like the bolero tradition in a lot of ways. And this might be another episode too, um, which I did hear a lot as a kid. Like a lot of the themes are very similar. And I just, I love, I love bachata. What can I say? And Prince Royce, I think was one of the first mainstream bachateros that I really got into. I actually mm. saw him in concert last summer <laughs> and it was <laughs> of like, you did. it was awesome. He was throwing roses at girls in the audience. Um, and Solita is not one of his most popular tracks, I don't think, but it's the one that I listen to right now the most. Like it's my kind of favorite of his. The way I listen to music, which is why I love Spotify, is I listen to like, I'll be like obsessed with one song for like a particular time and like just like listen to that song endlessly 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 so that's this one is like on my short playlist of the things i love right now so i just he's got a great voice i think his stuff is really catchy and obviously it's like a more poppy bachata but it's also just amazing So the songs that I have for you are um, a hilarious sort of mix of things. But my first song that um, I want to play is, of course, by the legend, the one and only Shakira. I want to play for you all the um, unplugged version of Estoy Aquí. Here was loving this song from her Pies Descalzos days, which a lot of people think is her first album, but it was actually her third. Her first two flopped, 
but the Pies Descalzos album was kind of like when Shakira made it big in Latin America and Estoy Aquí was one of the breakout hits. And what I really, really loved about Estoy Aquí Unplugged is just, you know, it's completely, it's composed in a really different way than the original and it's so rich. Unplugged album came out in 2000, and I remember being about 16, just obsessed with the Unplugged album, obsessed with Shakira, you know, I was very anti-pop back then, and even though Shakira was very famous, um, she repped this alternative streak in Latino music, she was, you know, and like, this is rockera Shakira, right, we're not talking about the blonde bobshell Shakira that we know today, but it just meant so much to me to see this, you know, like alternative sort of rockera Latina out there, writing her own songs and playing her own instruments and having things to say, having a social commentary. It just meant so much to me. And I, I love this song. This is just so rich musically. You know, you hear that church organ and her voice in this is just really, really incredible. My 16 year old heart like comes back every time I hear this song. too. I, don't, yeah. I, I think I started listening to it in college, so I like caught on to it much later. And I think I even tried to perform this one time at a talent show, which is yes. very hard because she is very fast singer, right? She's like one of the big first crossovers too, right? And so yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, and which is unfortunately why she does stuff in English now, which is just right. not good. I still have some love mm-hmm. for you now, even yeah, though she's doing her thing. Yeah. You you're know. doing your thing. You can't knock her hustle. You can never knock her hustle. I know. So. I know. And you like, know. I'm never going to love your music in English, but I appreciate that it's a business decision you got to make. That's right, girl. Get it however you can. You do you. You do you. (laughs) So my next song is, um, you know, totally pop mainstream. So I apologize for the deviation, but Calle 13, Atrevetete. This song came at a time when I was really obsessed with music, but I had really stepped away from Latino music. You know, I was still so anti-pop and I was told, you know, like I told myself that the really good, cool thing to like and what I really liked was experimental electronic music, right? I liked all these artists on Warp Records, like 8FX Twin and Square Pusher and all these like esoteric Icelandic outfits like Sigurós and Moom. But I feel like this song really changed it up for me, you know, like especially like the lyrics. I feel like at the time they were speaking to me directly. Latino, 
like, oh my God, you're so right. You know? (laughs) You're so right. Do you really think this song, though, is mainstream? Pop mainstream? This was, um, you know, early Calle Teresa. Calle Teresa now is so much more political and more... um, has sort of a different vibe. Shortly after that song came out was when I moved to New York City from the Midwest. And, you know, it was the first time I had been around a lot of Latinos since I was in Latin America. And I would hear the song coming out of the windows of the people in my building in Washington Heights. And it just changed some things for me. And, you know, it was like a big realization that for me, I'd kind of like let white supremacy get to me in this way that not only was I denying my Latinidad in service of assimilation, but that it really sucked to do that, right? And that I didn't want to do that at all anymore. And so this song was just a huge, a huge switch up for me. I remember when I, I think I, I started listening to it like maybe in 2006 also when I moved to New York. And my uh, co-worker at the Latina Zoo at the time, my boss actually, was making fun of me because I was listening to like Gloria Stefan and <laughs> And she was like, what is up with your music taste? Like you have, you know, she was from Guatemala. She was like in her 30s. And it's like, you have a music taste of like a 60 year old. Well, I actually went to the concert of theirs also last year. And yes. it was like super chill and a lot of weed being smoked in the audience. <laughs> Not shocked. It was fun. Not shocked. Yeah, they're super fun live. Yeah. They're super fun yeah. live. My next song that I have for you all, um, the amazing, wonderful New Yorker Maluka Mala came through in the last couple of days with a new song called Mala. I think this song sort of represents a little bit where I've landed with a lot of my music tastes these days in terms of all of the different sort of components. This song, you know, has that sabor caribeño. It's definitely a little bit weird. Another thing that I really love about this song is kind of what it has to say. Maluka has said about the song that Amala is a bad bitch, unapologetic, doesn't need permission. She's a goddess. And not only that, but, you know, she takes all these things that people said to her in the past as an insult and sort of reclaims them, you know, going pelo malo, pelo suelto como una bruja. Pelomalo is obviously this extremely sort of racially coded way to refer to Afro-textured hair. And Maluka, who is Dominican and knows exactly what she's doing in the context of the political situation, the DR, the deportations of Haitians and Dominicans of Haitian descent. She's sort of reclaiming this insult that's been hurled at her. And not only that, she says, Cada vez que yo tengo algo, usted lo quiere. So it's just this really brilliant commentary on appropriation. I'm just such a huge fan of Maluka. She's been doing really amazing stuff from Jump. 
again, another woman whose hustle I can't knock. You know, she kind of came up through Diplo, who I really dislike politically, just as a man who uses a lot of brown beats for white profit. But again, you know, you can't knock a girl's hustle. Every time I find music that I think you won't know, I like text you and you're like, oh yeah, I like interviewed them last year. You're You're always like 10 steps ahead of me. So this is why I love you and why we're doing this podcast together. Thanks for listening to our first yes. episode of Radio Menea. We're super psyched to make this happen. We're so, so excited. We're totally new to podcasting, so we have to give a huge shout out to my friend, neighbor, and fellow Kuana, Elizabeth Akle, who's been our volunteer engineering consultant. Thank you so much. We would not have been able to hook up a mic without you. Literally nothing without you, Ellie. For nothing. real, no, thank you no. so much. <laughs> yeah, and you can follow us um, on radiomenea.com. We'll be putting up song info from this episode. We're also going to be releasing a playlist along with this episode to give you a better sense of our music style. So if you go to radiomenea.com, you can find a link to that playlist and um, find out all the other ways to follow us and this podcast. Thank you so much. Ciao. Ciao.